Hello and welcome back. It is episode 85 of the Saints FC podcast. The sun is shining. Pubs are going to be opening in a week and a half. Southampton have had a 3-0 away victory and I've got Tom Parker on the line. Tom, I think my life is... Have I just won? I think you've just won. I mean, I'm looking forward to going to the barber to get my hair is, is wild. But I just think I'll turn up at the barber about 9am on that on that Saturday morning, have my hair cut and then just go to the pub after that. I, Tom, I quite like your um your 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 longer locks. I've seen a photo <laughs> of you on your wife's Instagram and I, I think yeah, it suits I, you. you you've, you're kind of like a, a curly-haired blonde guy when you haven't got your kind of, you know, South London cool... Edgy haircut. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'm going to keep it longer, but um, it just needs to be neat, John. It's too hot to be carrying this much hair. Yeah. See, I, I don't know. The barber is one of the ones which I'm a little bit more nervous about. <clears throat> but I guess if you're the first one in, the first hair they cut, then the risks are low, right? Cause, cause how, be. How, how do you do social distancing at a barber's? It's... Well, I guess if they're wearing sort of gloves and a face mask, and yeah. maybe they make you wear a face mask. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But in the you know, you've got to have it. You've got to keep neat no matter what the situations are i mean especially if you're in you know the kind of cool areas of central london <laughs> that you roam about in in a you know you... In, in west devon where i am you know being hairy is just that's part of part of the course really isn't it <laughs> i was gonna say something inappropriate there, but i'm not going to but uh but you're looking pretty her suit john you know you've got your you're growing out, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the hair's kind of reached an acceptable. It's like not. It's not long enough to be kind of like cool long hair, and it's not. It's definitely not tidy. But I, I've been trying out the beard, Tom. I, I quite like it. I've got to decide whether to keep the beard or, or go back to the moustache. And I haven't I made you my mind do, up you yet. Do a poll. You know that that sort of like for this retweet for the other one. Yeah. The only way let the let the people decide. John. Let the people decide. But the thing is, the people will decide on one thing, and that'll probably be when I've realised actually I want it the other way. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom, I've also started a new fitness regime, and I did an exercise class today just so that I could definitely have a beer whilst we recorded this. So I mean, yeah, that is impressive. I, I just I can't get my head around that. Like, very impressive. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, there's been a bit of middle age spread and there's been a bit of lockdown spread because I, I normally cycle into work every day. And <clears throat> funny enough, when I stopped going into work, um, I just continued eating. In fact, probably eating even more because there's more stuff available in the house to snack on. So I've gone up yeah. a few kilos, aiming to go down a few kilos. My wife has signed up for some fitness thing, so I'm just kind of like using her login. Um, and that, yeah, and doing some exercise classes, but yeah, I, d I did a, a brutal cardio exercise class, which means that I've got enough calories in the bank to enjoy this um, bottle <laughs> of Elvis juice, a grape fused a grapefruit infused IPA. You love your slightly unusual beers, don't you, John? Yeah, well, I think you're drinking something, you know, quite far out. I'm you. I'm drinking a hop house lager, which for me is basically. I've gone wild. This is as crazy as and hoppy as I get. But yeah, it's nice. Gotta go. It's nice. You know, no complaints from me. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, so a win, John. A, a win, exactly. Now, now we've got the kind of pleasantries out of the way. Let's get down to business. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was feeling pretty nervous 
about this game. Um, I don't know why, because I, I kind of know that we're a better side than Norwich. And, uh, you know, we saw that at St. Mary's early in the season. But I think there was just that nervousness of, have our players been doing as much as opposition teams' players in the lockdown? Are our players going to be fit? Are they going to be able to implement the manager's tactics? Um, you know, having not done it for so long. And all these questions, which we asked ourselves in the last episode, and I think the probably the most common phrase, if you listen back to last week's episode, is, well, I don't know, Tom, or I don't know, John. We had no answer today. Yeah, we, we were, I don't know what value. Anyone who listened to it must have been, I don't actually understand what I'm, what am I listening to here? Because we added nothing. D- despite that, we've had some, you know, lukewarm praise from our. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, lots of people were kind of very pleased to have the the podcast back in their lives. So you know, obviously, we did take a take some time off, and you know, I think we came back at a, a fairly kind of mediocre-ish level. You know, I don't think we were <laughs> dreadful. I don't think we stormed out of the blocks. Um, but I, I think our return to podcasting was better than Saints' first 15 minutes in the game against Norwich. And those first oh, 15 minutes, yeah. Tom, my kind of, was, my worry just yeah. got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was slightly terrified by about 15 minutes in. It was, it was reminiscent, wasn't it, of um, very early season Saints? Like, you know, with the fear, that sort of Burnley, so, you know, in terms of that just chaotic defending. You know, like real, like last ditch madness. You know, like players seemingly forgetting how to do the most basic thing, and really only you know, thank God for Danny Ings and his sort of life-saving tackle at that back post. I I know we're going to have to wax lyrical about Danny Ings in this match because he was he was pretty sensational, very deserving of the man of the match um, award, which I think he, he got at the end of the game, but. Yeah, the, the, those first 15 minutes, we looked really rusty. Nothing was working, nothing was clicking. Norwich were, were quickest to every ball, and it looked like they wanted it more than us. And yeah, they were out saintsing saints, weren't they, in a yeah, way? Yeah, it, it, was, it was strange to watch. And I, I don't know what the turning point was, but it's kind of, it's almost like something clicked into gear, and suddenly they, they knew what they were doing. Um. I, d- I, I wonder, was it that Jack Stevens tackle and then marauding forward and then him passing the ball to Danny Ings and then Ings putting it off it the was, crossbar? Or was it was it the Ings yeah. challenge? I think it was kind of before then. I think it was sort of some point between the Ings challenge because the Ings challenge was super early. It was after yeah. only a few minutes from memory. And then I think Jack Stevens was maybe, what, like 30 you know, when he turned into Beckenbauer again. Um, and by the way, I'd love to know how many goal-scoring chances Jack Stevens has created for us this year. Quite, he's got like three assists, doesn't he? But um, yeah, I think I, well, I, it's like a lot of these teams, isn't it? It's a bit like Pompey, isn't it? When we play Pompey and they are super up for it and they fly out of the gate and then they hammer away and then it doesn't work and then you go and then you realize you don't have a plan B. Yeah, and, and I wonder if it's almost like a psychological thing of like, are oh, we giving it everything we've got? And it's still not worked. And I, I, yeah, I thought, I mean, they played really well in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. Not Well, they played well, we played terribly. Um, but they did after that. They just sort of gave up the ghost. And I, and you kind of like, there's two ways of looking at it, isn't it? You can really admire Norwich for 
playing, trying to play out of the back. Like, I watched Man City last night and, you know, they play out of, like, ridiculously difficult situations. Right, admittedly, only Burnley, but they play out of ridiculously difficult situations. They do it so well. And then you watch Norwich and Norwich just, like, just lack the quality. And you wonder, because also, you know what Saints do. Saints are set up to press you in your third, in, in the final third of the pitch and to convert the ball, win the ball back and create chances. And, and that's how we score goals. So it's generally how we, we score goals. The turnovers help the pitch. And, not, and, you know, what we struggle with is big long balls, raking balls over the top to big physical strikers who can rough up our centre-backs. And, and Norwich, to their sort of mad credit of like, um, you know, like, like, I don't know, like a cavalry charging at a machine gun nest. They just sort of kept doing it, didn't they? Kept trying to play the ball out from the back. And it just, you just wonder, like, what's going on there? Is it, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of baffling, isn't it, when, when you look at it? Because the, the whole... The whole system is very, very clear, and, that, and that's the one thing that you see these um, the the players talking about with Ralph is like that clarity of system. To see it kind of going off like that was, you know, just totally bizarre, really. Um, but it, you know, it worked in the end, Tom. We got there. We we got there with um, you know, the the pressing definitely worked, and I don't know the the other thing that I noticed, and I can't remember was the first water break, which was kind of like a timeout used in the game. Um, was that used by that was used by Norwich in the first half, wasn't it? Just as the tide was starting to turn. Well, we got a corner, didn't we? And I, I didn't know, I didn't know that, John. So is that right? So the opposite, so teams can choose to have a water break. Is that right? I thought it was like a mandated thing by the referee at certain points in the game. I don't know. I, I, I think it's. I think the team chooses. I don't know. Ah, oh, now because it seemed it seemed weird because it. Saints were just getting on top of it and um, we had a corner, didn't we? And then they I was like, oh no, they've got a water break. And it was so weird because you're like, um, it was just so, so strange. You know, I, I'm not sure. It, it, it would seem a weird thing to be able to, It was, well, it's weird on both counts. It's weird if an opposition can call a water break at a time when they're under pressure. Right, I, I've just figured it out. It's not the, it's it's not the teams that call it. It's the referee, apparently. So the timing of the yeah. break is at the discretion of the referee, and they will probably happen around about halfway through each half. Yeah, which I think they did. It was like twenty-two minutes, yeah. wasn't it? But it was a weird time. I, you know, you think you just do it when the ball goes out in the middle of the park, and that's happening. Yeah, before a, a corner was quite an odd Before time a corner, time. yeah. Yeah, and, and it I, really I felt it like Saints were in the ascendancy then as well. And it took the wind out of our sails a little bit. Um, but all credit to Saints because they kept at it. And I think, you know, despite the best efforts from Valerie, who, poor guy, like, he just looks shot, doesn't he? He really looks like he's mm. just no confidence. I mean, he, I was at that. You know, the game, the Newcastle game, when he got totally done by Sam Maximilian, and he doesn't look like he's really learned his lesson from that game. Um, the difference is Sam Maximilian is my better player probably than anything Newcastle had or anything Norwich had. But apart from Valerie, um, they all kind of stepped up. And I thought, yeah, a few of the players, they looked rusty. I thought Hoiberg grew into the game, it was definitely rusty at the beginning. But, um, but yeah, he just stuck at it. And I think. 
after the second half, we just the quality of Saints just told, and they they just didn't really get near us. We 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 looked so much better in that second half, and it just it was kind of wave after wave of attack at that point, and every time we won the ball back, um, and actually especially attacking from deep, which is quite unusual from Saints, watching that front four surge forward, so Obafemi, Ings, Stuart Armstrong, and Nathan Redmond was incredibly exciting like every time they surge forward and you had all four players like sprinting forward creating space stretching the defense giving each other opportunities um you know looking for, looking for the ball looking for the pass it, it was great to watch and seeing them kind of break with an explosiveness that i don't know if we've actually seen in much of the rest of the season i mean there was the the goal we scored against uh tottenham at white hart lane in the fa cup replay yeah. and you know that that was pretty close to the start of the lockdown, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't sh- that long after that, but that was really the first time I think we've seen that sort of explosive counter attack, and we saw that quite a few times um, on Friday night, and and each yeah. time I was just you know I was, I was so excited to watch them watch them coming forward, and um, you know we had that Ings and Armstrong. Um, combination and then Armstrong and Ings combination um, and then obviously we had the the Nathan Redmond goal as well. Tom, wait, do you want do you want to take us through the first one? What do you make of that? We got a bit of luck, didn't we? It was all. I mean, I think we get very excited. I'm also very excited, but I mean, Norwich were awful, weren't they? I mean, like it, you know, you have to kind of temper it with that. I mean, true Saints can only beat what's been in front of Norwich were awful, but I mean, from memory to what it's the sort of bit of a feeble throw in and Norwich is one of the things that surprised me is how weak Norwich were in the tackle which is something you know for Armstrong's goal was particularly true but what the nice thing with the, with Ings' finish wasn't it is that he could have not you know he's not been in a really good run of games I think was it one goal in seven before the Norwich game um, which obviously for him and Freddie's like Premier League striker is pretty awful um, yeah he did miss that chance in the first half and he probably should have scored but it was just an arrowed finish, wasn't it? Like a beautiful curled, no hesitation, almost a bit like a sort of Harry Kane sort of just deadly finish. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was uh, a lovely goal. I, I see what you mean when you're talking about kind of Harry Kane. It was that like instinctual, right? I've got the ball in the box. I'm shooting. You know, didn't even take a touch. Just kind of curves it back in. And um, yeah, I. I I, th- I know what you mean. Yeah, it came from a Ryan Bertrand throwing, didn't it? Then a few scrappy headers. And then and then I don't even know if Stuart Armstrong even meant to necessarily pass it to yeah. us, but it, but it worked. And then obviously the Armstrong, the Armstrong goal as well, which was, what, four or five minutes later? Um, yeah. And that came from that kind of surge from deep, Ings passing it, and then Armstrong taking it across the box. I think so, all, all the rest of them were expecting him to pass it. And then it was a lovely, tidy finish into the bottom corner, wasn't it? Was it the was it that goal or was it the Redmond goal that Ings Ings wins the ball back in our own half? I think that might have been the Redmond goal where where but but I mean but also it was the, the sort of the weak tackles, isn't it? For I mean like the, if you were a Saints fan, Saints played like that, you go absolutely bloody mad because Armstrong is not like a physically strong. He's not like a Traore, is he? And you know they sort of just three of them sort of fanny around him like sort of limply putting legs out and it was a really good finish to be fair but isn't it exciting I think isn't he probably is he our best sort of mid midfield 
long range striker of the ball. I think, and I'm trying to think of someone we've had who probably can hit the ball more consistently well from long range than Stuart Armstrong. I'm probably thinking, missing someone glaringly obvious here, but well, yeah, he's just got such talent. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have like what Redmond, you've got James Ward Prowse, kind of in the current setup, who can do it. I mean, Hoiberg can, but 90% of them go into yeah. row Z and one of them is a worldie. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, James, I mean, they, uh, I don't think, I can't really think of any open play long range no. goals from James Ward Prowse. No, no. I mean, I, I'm not being facetious, I can't. And I think he, I think with the great thing, Saints seem to have a really good thing going on with that front four. And you can also swap out over Femi for Long. And I think we're probably actually stronger with Long than we are with Femi. Because um, I think uh, Long has the pace, the strength, but also has better decision-making mm. probably than over Femi is. But just, a, you know what, it, it's the, and again, it's only Norwich, but it's the, it, what it's great to see is it's kind of, that front four is panic, isn't it? It's like, panic stations when they run forward um, and it's great to see someone on Twitter compares the red arrows like where they were going formation it is a bit like that um, I like but yeah that, that, was, that was it as a game yeah that was it as a game wasn't it after that I mean I think Norwich even took off Campbell and a few other players just sort of almost admitting defeat at that point yeah I, th- I think in the end they had Buendia Campbell and Puki all off on, on the bench so they'd yeah. obviously given up at that point um yeah, the, the, obviously the third goal was another kind of surge forward. I think you're right. I think it came from an Ings tackle, yeah. kind of um, just inside the Saints half, and then um, I can't remember who he played it forward to then. But obviously it came it across over, to what well, was it Obafemi? Yeah, it? yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and Obafemi made the right. Uh, you know, after making a bad decision a couple of times in the game, Obafemi made the right decision just to do the simple thing. Um, it was a sweet finish though, wasn't it, John? Oh, lovely again. And the thing about both, I mean, Danny Ings' shot was, yeah, a lot of power, um, nice bit of whip on it. But both the Armstrong and the Redmond goals were both beautifully placed into that bottom corner. And, and they hit them, none of them were hit really hard. They were just placed just out of reach. Um of, of uh, it's Tim Krull, isn't it, in goal for Norwich? Yeah, and he's no, he's a good goalkeeper as well. He, Tim Krull, he he is a good goalkeeper, and it's yeah, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see them kind of picking out those those perfect places. And I wonder if, I mean, do you think that is part of the fact that you know we might have been watching with crowd noise in the background, but for the players. There's no crowd noise. Do you think they feel less anxious when they're in goal? Is it a bit? Yeah, you know, we. You know how we see all those social media videos of Saints players banging it in time after time in training. Oh God, yeah. Do you think this feels a little bit more like a training game, and then therefore the pressure's off, and you're more likely to finish? I mean, obviously. Well, I think. I mean, I think with Redmond as well. Like Armstrong, there's no doubt in his finishing, but Redmond, for all his talent, doesn't probably get enough goals. Uh, as he should do for his brilliant play and, and how skillful and how talented he is. But also, I've always thought Redmond does have a tendency to go big, doesn't he? So mm. it's always like mega, mega hard hit of the ball. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, maybe that was something different, you know, because he always sort of goes top corner. Just to sort of, he almost like passed it, didn't he? I mean, the two, sorry, he sort of gave the eyes to the two Norwich defenders and they fell for it. Um, but, 
you know, again, like what a talented player and what a sort of brilliant ambassador for the club Redmond is. And I think it would, and I, I, you know, he would, I think you mentioned it last time, John, that you know, before the break with Redmond injured, you do worry about Saints, you know, in terms of like just having that extra spark up yeah. front, that extra bit of create the X factor, the, the unknown. And I think, especially with, with Gineppo back, suspended as well. You know, that would yeah. have been a really tough run of games without... Um, both, both Redmond and Gineppe have that little bit of magic, don't they? They do. And I think what they what they do have, um, you know, Gineppe less, less than Redmond, although Gineppe is obviously, you know, still getting used to English football, is, which, you know, I criticise a lot. But Buffal, I find his decision-making is off and off. And you know, he doesn't score the goals. Yeah. that he should score and he often misses fairly simple chances and I think you know we've got a sort of three very good wingers but none of them are anywhere near it. like you know Redmond is by far and away the most effective and I think that Redmond is why well, he causes panic doesn't he he causes just a little bit of chaos and I think that our, our front three is kind of front four where you include Armstrong is very much like about causing chaos yeah yeah and it's kind of like Armstrong and Redmond. It's that there's that perfect balance, isn't there? You know, yeah. Armstrong is a very sensible, tidy football player, and Redmond has got you know that bit of magic, that bit of trickery. It's, it's kind of the, that perfect balance that you want, where you've got someone that can. I mean, to call Armstrong, I, I feel like I'm doing Armstrong down because he's obviously got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. But he's a different sort of player from Redmond and they offer something different, you know, going forward. But they're both exciting to watch. They're both seemingly becoming very effective. And I think maybe the difference between Redmond and Armstrong is, you know, perhaps it is experience, but they both have a better footballing mind, I think, than Sofia and Buffal. Um, it's probably too early for me to say on Gineppo. I think Gineppo's kind of like, he's got that explosive... Um, you know, style and character, but uh, you know, and and sometimes you look at what he does and you think he must be a genius. Then other times you think, you know, what was he thinking there? But yeah. I, th- I think kind of Redmond and Armstrong have kind of honed their mind to the Premier League and the pace of it and the way to get around defenders and the way to kind of work in Ralph's system. And it's looking very, very effective. And I'm really excited about you know watching them both again on Thursday. Oh, I mean, I think that with with Armstrong as well, it's, it's how. Yeah, we're not strong at right back. There's no doubt about that. And what Armstrong can, it's, it's just the discipline, isn't it? Because obviously with Bertrand, is solid as a rock. So Redmond can be a bit nuts. Yeah. Whereas we're not that way. You know, right back, we are far from that. So just Armstrong being as disciplined and as intelligent a footballer as he is. And I think a lot of other teams will be looking at players like Armstrong and they're like, Why, how are we not getting players like this? You know, for what, like six, seven million pounds north of the border he's he's what like four Premier League goals a season five Premier League goals this season plus yeah. a few assists it's a really good return and the thing is he's kind of making himself you know he ain't going to get dropped is he from that team there's no way they can drop him no and it's interesting as well because he was kind of like always Ralph's sub to bring on and, and he's one of those players he's I think kind of probably when you first see him he's not compelling enough to throw right in there because you're not like wow this guy's going to be insane we can't possibly cope without him but the more and more you see him the more and more you want him in your team 
And the... he, he reminds me reminds me of like Jim Magilton. Oh yeah. So Tom, for the but younger like, listeners, explain what Jim Magilton did for Saints. So Jim Jim Magilton was a very and this sounds like an insult and it's definitely not an insult. A very steady and solid Northern Irish international that played for Saints. Can't remember where he signed from. Possibly someone like Sheffield Wednesday, but he. He played in that team with Matty and Neil Madison and Jason Dodd and players like that. And and he was just a, from memory, I was only a kid, but he was always just a very, he was a bit like a Stephen Davis, you know, like a very intelligent, good user of the ball, didn't waste it, occasional long range perler. And just the sort of, you know, you can imagine other players would have been like, that's the sort of player they want to play with. You yeah. know, someone who puts no ego, sort of puts the team first. Like, yeah, he was a, Jim Dilson was a was a good footballer, and uh, you kind of by them being tidy and clear in what they're doing, they're offering opportunities for the likes of Nathan Redmond or Obafemi or you know any, anyone else working around them to have that little spark of creativity because they can rely on Armstrong. And uh, you mentioned the right back position as well, Tom. I've got a whole section of this pos- podcast called Cedric. KWP, Valerie, and why we can't get the right-back position right. Should we do that now? It seems like a good time, doesn't it? Because Stuart Armstrong Sorry. is kind of covering that position, despite you know all this waxing lyrical we've been doing about him going forward. He is providing a bit of cover. And when he's not providing cover, it looks worrying, doesn't it? Because Valerie is... I, I remember last season, Tom, you and I were watching, I think it was Saints versus Liverpool, and we actually thought that Valerie looked as good as, if not better, than Trent Alexander-Arnold in that game at St Mary's. And he scored that great goal yeah. at, um, at Old Trafford, and you know he, he, he played really well towards the end of last season. And now in my kind of highlights reel that I'm running through my you know, bubble in my mind... I'm not really thinking of much defensive stuff in there. Has he always well, been he a terrible defender? or I don't know. Because I, I can't remember him being a dreadful defender at the end of last season, but I do remember lots of really great stuff about him going forward. He's, he still yeah, caused he's a little bit of trouble going forward on Friday, but he looked dreadful in defence. Yeah. But he's a modern fullback, isn't he? Like The whole idea of that modern fullback where they can't defend. Um, you know, the, the whole point is, oh, you don't need to defend, don't worry about it. I mean, I think, Valerie, something's happened. I mean, I don't remember being, I don't remember him being a, I want to say I don't remember, I guess this is kind of last season because he's been pretty cool this season. Um, I don't remember him being really bad defender last season. I remember him being sort of a classic young, more attack-minded fullback. Um, but I don't remember, it, it, his head's kind of gone, isn't it, defending-wise. Mm. But he still looks really good going forward. And, he, and there was a, one bit of an Norwich game, he's a lovely bit of skill where he took out a couple of players and, and tried to create a chance for Saints. But he, his head's gone. There's something, you know, there's all sorts of horrible rumours about Valerie. Um, but, like, you know, and, and he was obviously out for that really long time, which led people to sort of, all sorts of horrible speculation. And it turned out he had glandular fever, which anyone who's ever known anyone who's had it, yeah, will know that it does actually wipe you out for for months. Um, but he's just not. He doesn't look in a team that's all very disciplined. Um, he 
looks the the wild card, doesn't he? Looks the one that's like most likely to make a mistake, almost like the like a Jos Hoiveld. Mm. You know, you just oh, know yes. he's got a mistake in him. Yeah, but, which then I suppose kind of makes you question: Well, you know, wh- why isn't Carl Walker Peters getting a run out? Yeah, we, we've got a JWP, James Ward Prowse. Could we not have a KWP? <laughs> Could we make that work? Um, Sounds like a regional law firm, JWP <laughs> and KWP. Um, well, I don't know. Carl Walker Peters was funny, wasn't it? Because Ralph gave an interview this week where he said he, you know, he might start one or two games. Um, but at the end of the day, if he's not going to sign him permanently, and it's you know nothing you read suggests that we are, then you'd argue what's the point. Well, I, I think unless, he, unless he's he a bad player. I think in response to asking if they were going to extend the loan or make the loan deal permanent. And he said that you don't, I think he said he used some analogy about picking fruit from a tree that, you know, the first two apples that you pick aren't the best, Um, you know, and then you don't know whether the the fruit's any good until, you know, third or fourth or whatever. And I think what he was trying to imply was that, you know, um, Carl Walker Peters needed a few games for him to really know if that's the sort of player that he wanted, which is interesting because I think there's other players who haven't had a long run in the team who've obviously forced themselves up through training who've demonstrated to Ralph that he is interested in them and he's given them a chance. You know, whether that's Smallbone or you know Nathan Teller got a, a a chance coming on against Norwich as well, so. I think those players coming through from the academy are showing the sort of qualities that that Ralph likes. You know that the willingness to work and run hard and be open-minded, as he's often quoted as saying, which he hasn't said that about Carl Walker Peters yet. Yeah, and also remember, Carl Walker Peters played. You know, the the idea of a pressing game shouldn't be that foreign to Carl Walker Peters. You know, he was playing under Pochettino until. Uh, earlier this season, were traitors who's training under Pochettino. Um, so, you know, Saints' style shouldn't be anathema to him. Um, I don't know. He's funny like that. I, I don't know. He's, I mean, I say this as someone who is short. He's very small, isn't he? And I, and I wonder if that, you know, in a in a defence we've got where even our centre backs aren't particularly good in the air. You know, we saw this with Cedric, where teams target us relentlessly at that ball over the top. I, I don't know. I mean, I think as well, Carl Walker-Peters had a bit of a, you know, we chucked him in against Burnley, didn't we? And he took a bit of a roasting. Mm. Um, as it sort of seems to be a Southampton tradition with small young players. It's just give them a game against Burnley and then never, you know, never see them ever again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he might, I mean, he must be a, a good player. Um, but you wonder, you know, with Valerie, with all his clear problems and confidence and, Decision make defensive decision making, and yet still picked over Carl Walker Peters. Yeah, I, d- I think in Vannery there's a good right back, you know, trying to get out. It's in there somewhere, you know. So someone's got to unlock it. So, so Tom, here's an interesting question: Would you take Cedric back? Um, yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I think Cedric. He, you know, he's not obviously a bad. He's obviously a good footballer, right? First and foremost, he's obviously a really good footballer. If you don't win the European Cup, uh, European Championships without being a really good footballer, um, yeah, I would. To be honest, 
I, I, would, I just think he's... I mean, he's not going to come back, is he? They think Arsenal are going to make his deal permanent. Um, but I probably would, because at the end of the day, who would I trust more to, to do a job? It would probably be Cedric. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's been a lot of gloating about, you know, the that deal for Cedric. Which obviously the timing for Arsenal was dreadful. Yeah, you, you can't do worse than that. Sign an injured player on loan. By the time they're recovered, there's a global pandemic and a lockdown. You can't really <laughs> prepare for that sort of stuff, can you? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, that's five million quid for, for nothing, really, for Saints. But actually, you, yeah. you look at it and you think, well, with Valerie looking dodgy, Carl Walker-Peters obviously not ready. What, what else do you do? I mean, you don't want to play James Ward-Prowse there because we saw again that when you put James Ward-Prowse in the midfield, okay, he didn't have like a rumbunctious game, but he's effective in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I think Saints probably, I think obviously small Smallbone is, is the future, isn't he? I think obviously that you know, seems to be the way that they've obviously got high hopes for him. And I guess one that, well, I guess, you know, the alternative would be uh, JWP at right back and Smallbone in. But I wonder if Smallbone's a little bit physically not quite there yet. Mm. You know, in the way that James Ball Browser sort of buffed himself up and made himself stronger and made him a nasty player. I wonder if Smallbone's still quite nice. But again, I, you know, I wonder about decision-making because Smallbone was pitched in against West Ham and just got monstered. Um, um, where, and you just wonder about like he, Villa, didn't he? Yeah, and you wonder if the like those. I know they've eventually got a command. They've eventually got to play the Burnleys and the West Ham's of the world. And of course, you can't wrap up in Cotton Wall, but but we do sort of do this sometimes. We throw these sort of physically not so strong players in against these giants, and I you know wonder about the long term impact. But I think yeah, I mean, I mean it's it's interesting, and I, I just I think obviously. Ralph makes a calculated risk, which is the danger that um, Valerie can cause you at right back is outweighed by the positive impact that James Ward Prowse brings you in midfield. Yeah. And that's the balance. Um, anyway, I think probably right back is top of the shopping list, isn't it, for Ralph in the summer? Yeah. All things said and done. Um, I don't know why we can't get that right back position right, but hopefully we can over the summer I mean I, I don't think we've really got it right since Nathaniel Klein no he's available isn't he on a free transfer I don't know God what's happened to what's happened to his career anyone has no idea let us know but just disappear without trace mm. I mean I guess Alexander Arnold had some of that something to do with that and then also injuries had something to do with that but yeah it was, it was a shame because Nathaniel Klein was such a classy right back when we had he him. was great, great for yeah things. really really great so apparently apparently he's leaving uh, leaving Liverpool on J- July the 1st he's made 10 appearances in over two years in the last two seasons that, is that right yeah since May 2017 yeah it's dreadful, isn't um, it? I mean, yeah. another player who announced that they were leaving their club was Morgan Schneidlin, who we can put in the category of players that look so wonderful when they're at Sense, but never quite reached that same level again after they left. I mean, despite going to nice, going, is that right? Yeah, Nice. Mm. Here it's nice down there. Uh. What could have been a could be Schneidlin still there? 
yeah. you know, climb it right back. I mean, you but, wouldn't need Hoiberg, would you, if Schneidlin has stayed? Yeah. So this is part of the problem, isn't it? This is, you know, going off topic a little bit here. It's like someone like Schneidlin could probably still very much do a job for Saints. And mm. we clearly need a kind of box-to-box tackling midfielder, which Schneidlin is. But the problem is, because of nuts wages, that Schneidlin's probably on like 140 grand a week or something insane at bloody Everton. Mm. So he's, he's just never going to take a pay cut, is he, to come to Saints? Yeah, I mean, he... And also, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? It's like, do you go back to a player? It very rarely yeah. works out. I mean, the only player That's I can really work. think of where who we've had twice and it worked out just as well the second time was Richard Chaplow. Did he come back to the Saints? Yeah, twice? Yeah, well, he, did, he did two loan spells at Southampton and then the second loan spell he made permanent. But he, he, yeah. came, he came to Saints, I think, on our season... In the duration of us going down from the Premier League to League One, he was with us for half a season, I think. And then he went back to, I think, West Brom. And he played for another couple of clubs. And then he came to Saints again on loan and then became permanent and then was with us with that wonderful journey back up to the Premier League. Oh, yeah, I would like Chapel. You should get him on the pod, John. Chaplay, we've already had him on the yeah. pod. Tom. Yeah, so I thought you had. Damn it, I wasn't <laughs> on that one. I can't keep up anymore. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, let's let's move on because we've we've talked a lot about Norwich and we've talked about our right backs. Um, Arsenal. They are who we have next on Thursday at home at St Mary's. Yeah. So quite a good record against Arsenal at home. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've seen us beat Arsenal a lot of times at home, including a four nil with the greatest. Um, goal scored by a right back probably ever. ever. But then you and I also went to see Southampton play after the Johnson Mary's well, I mean, So so okay. Here's a little sidetrack story. Our next opponents after us were Watford and the Watford program editor got in contact with me to give a kind of fans perspective, Saints fans perspective. So they're still doing print programmes and posting them out to their subscribers. That's nice. Um, it'd probably be the lowest selling program I imagine in history because who knew you could subscribe to get a football program but apparently that's what they do so he's going to send me a print copy but he asked you know what was the turning point of Saints season and the turning point was after the um, you know the Leicester game then there was the Everton game and there was the two Man City games as well and then we had the international break and then that the away game at Arsenal, I think, was that the first game after the international break? Uh, yeah, it was because we were there, weren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was because that international break, because obviously the 9-0 wasn't the worst game for many. You know, the Everton game was almost worse. Um, and then it went international break. And then I'm pretty sure you're right, John. It was that 2 all. you know, where we were cruelly robbed of a, a victory. Um it's a very late Martinelli goal and some really bad finishing from Saints. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have had four or five in that game. But it, yeah. it, it was the game which said Saints are back, wasn't it? You know, there was something about them. There yeah. was bite, there was fire, there was effort and of, you know, dedication good and good well, tactics. Yeah, good, good, great first goal by Danny Ings. Really smart little play by Bertrand. Fluff penalty by Ward-Prowse, but then he scored the rebound right in front of us. Yeah. There was a lot to like. 
But we owe them one, don't we? Because they, there's no way they should have yeah. come out of that with a draw. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about. I mean, I, I think on the last pod we did, John, my enthusiasm for the Norwich game, I couldn't maybe quite muster it as much as I would like. But I'm now, I'm really excited about Arsenal, and I'm really excited about Arsenal because of how Saints played against Norwich, and I think there's there's something there, and I think what's great as well is. Um, it's clear that the team has come back with real drive and real fitness, you know, and a, and a real plan, which is great. Um, I'm also excited about Saints playing Arsenal because they're playing Arsenal. And Arsenal, you know, I would probably be pretty wrong and they'll probably beat us, but God, they look awful. I mean, they, they were dreadful against Man City, weren't they? And then David Luiz with just the craziest 25 minutes. Um in a kind of rare tweet about football from Matthew Letizia, he kind of asked the question, was <laughs> David Luiz's um, substitute appearance worse than Ali Dears? I think he might. I think it was. You think he came on as a well, substitute? Well, in terms of harm caused. Yeah, he came on as a substitute. You know, the, the ball skipped over his thigh, didn't it, for the first goal? Yeah. And then he got himself sent off and gave away a penalty for City to then, then score their second goal. And that was all yeah. in the space of 25 minutes, obviously, either side of half time. That was, I mean, that was dreadful. And I mean, he was awful at the Emirates when we saw. I mean, I, you know, you, yeah, it was one of those players where, like, you, I remember watching it when you're like, okay, well, this is a guy who plays in World Cups. You know, he has won everything. Yeah, you don't get to see many players like that, do you, in the flesh? And then you just watch and you're like, what is this? Is this like a joke? Like, he is genuinely. A terrible defender. Tom, did, did you know I have a signed David Luiz face mask? Why? What? <laughs> From David, David Luiz? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Why, so, John? In 2016, my wife was running an event in Brazil. Um, and she got on the aeroplane to go to, I think, Rio or Sao Paulo. I think it was Rio. I can't remember. And um, then suddenly... Uh, the like captain came on on board of the ship and said, "Everyone, you've got a um, David Luis mask in your in the pouch in front of you. You know where you're kind of you can buy your expensive watches duty free and all of that stuff. All the pamphlets are in. So everyone kind of like pulls out that. And they were doing some sort of uh, Emirates Airlines or Brazil Airlines um, promotion. And so everyone in the cabin on the plane put on David Luis masks. And David Luis was on the plane as well." And then they took a photograph and he was flying over for the World Cup in 2000. Was it 2016 that the World Cup was in Brazil? Or was it 2014? Yeah, 2014. So that, that year. And, and then he went round and he chatted to everyone on the aeroplane and signed all their masks. Apparently a really lovely guy, really funny, nice. very gregarious. But... <laughs> But that was you know, six years ago. He he still had a lot about him, didn't he? But then you know, is it surprising that Brazil's most horrendous kind of semi-final, where they got monster by Germany, happened with David Luiz? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Now, now we know what twenty twenty David Luiz looks like. I mean, Arsenal paid twenty five million pounds for him for a season. Is that what it was? Yeah. On a one-year deal? Yes. And also, like, how much wages? Like, what's your, like, based on, like, what, 160 grand a week or something insane? Yeah, I don't know if 25 million is the whole, including the wages deal, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he was unbelievably bad against 
Saints. And he's probably one of those players which he looks good if he's got really good players alongside him. Mm. Yeah, he probably looks all right. But that's just a straight-up centre-back. Like he, I mean, the Evening Standard tonight actually reporting that uh, David Luiz is going to be given a contract extension. They, they really know how to troll their fans uh, than they are. So. Um, but yeah, it is, well, I, I, it's, you two minds, right, John? Because you sort of think, oh, God, man, I wish he was kind of playing against me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? But I, I suppose Arsenal have no central defenders. That is true. Um, uh, and they've got very, I mean, and they've got also the worst player, the most horrible player in the world. What, Gwendezi? Yeah, the clone of Louise is Gwendezi, who is just a nasty, horrible team, like, player isn't he yeah. I mean do you remember him at the, at the Emirates yeah yeah I do, every, I do like just horrible little fouls and pulling people's shirt back and just getting in people's faces getting in the referee's face throwing himself around on the floor like it's just a real horrible little little piece of work wasn't he um, you know the SH1T Housery award would yeah. go to Gwendozy doesn't it and, and I think that's the thing about Mope and that instant that was at the end of the Brighton game was, you know, Mope has said that Gunduzi was going on and on and on, like all game. He was talking to Mope, trying to wind him up, trying to kind of like force mistakes out of him, telling him he gets paid more than him and this, that and the other. Um, but, you know, it, it clearly didn't work because, you know, at the end of the game, Brighton had won and Gunduzi was f- angry with Mope, grabbed him by the throat, which apparently is legit. Because he's had no ban, has he, Tom? So, so he is going to be playing. It was weird. Yeah, he's going to play, and I think it's um, it's strange, isn't it? Well, apparently it's because the the video referee saw it and decided that there was nothing in it. But it does seem a little bit weird because why wouldn't? I mean, surely there's something in that. Yeah. He grabs him by the throat. I mean, it's not like you know, this isn't the seventies. This is like a pretty um. Do you, do you know uh, what I think? You know, things pretty tame there. football. It's, it was right at the. F- at the end, wasn't it? It's the final whistle's got. I reckon, you know, the video referee is sat there in his little box, wherever it is. He's probably watching it on Zoom these days. Maybe he's bursting for a wee. And he's gone, oh, thank God, the final whistle. Throws his headphones <laughs> down, quickly runs off to the loo. Misses it, comes back. And they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, what, what did you see? Did you see that at the end? It looked a bit like handbags. What was going on? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's nothing in it. And now he's just kind of trying to cover himself because he should have been there watching it. But he'd it was so bad, man. I mean, he he should be suspended. And, and it annoys me because I, I moan about him, but I actually do think he's quite good. Mm. And and um, I'd, I'd rather him not be in the team than be in the team. Yeah, because he's the sort of bloke that um, if he wasn't there, you can imagine sort of Saints press would kind of overwhelm um able overwhelm the uh, uh the Arsenal midfield but now we're not quite so sure. Mm. Um I, th- I think the press I'm, is I'm excited have a about playing Arsenal. Though. Is it isn't the press the press is gonna have a good chance against the Arsenal defence trying to play the ball out the back. Yes. I mean well, they'll it, definitely because they did that against us at their place and that's just what they do. Exactly. And if um, you look at our next two fixtures we've got Arsenal and we've got Watford. And Watford fit into the team that know how to play direct football, have 
a big, athletic, strong, powerful forward in the shape of Troy Deeney, who kind of like Antonio before him, causes us problems that we have with big, powerful, athletic centre forwards. Very much so. Um, and actually, I'm probably looking forward more to the Arsenal game than I am to the Watford game. I think we've got more of a chance against um, against Arsenal do at Watford. I mean, I mean, if you Arsenal at uh, Watford, sorry, I thought that um, since Nigel Pearson took over, they've won like five of their five of their eight home games. You know, their home form's been as good as anyone uh, since Pearson took over, and they'll be buoyed after um, after obviously a good result against Leicester. And I can't remember who they play next. Um, I think they're against Burnley. Burnley, yeah, uh, who aren't really up to much. Well, super, well, Burnley were in good form before the break, but um, yeah, I, th- I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it's just fascinating because you can see Saints. Saints should beat Arsenal. Arsenal was away from this season; have been awful. Arsenal won only nine games this season compared to eleven that Saints have won. Um, and obviously, a win for Saints will see us go level on points with Arsenal. We'll see our goal difference is massively inferior. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been looking at this, Tom. Basically, if we win 8-0 against Arsenal, then we'll go ahead of them on goal difference. Well, I thought we had to win by like 14. That's not too well, bad. We could do that. Well, yeah, our, our goal difference is minus 14 and theirs is zero. So obviously, if it was 7-0, then they'd be on minus 7, oh, we'd be course. on minus 7. See, but obviously, 8-0, that, that's would, why you're, that would tip the balance. That's why you're a clever man than I am, John, because I'm so one-dimensional, I can think of that. I mean, yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about the Arsenal game. I mean, I don't think I can watch it with you and your family on Zoom, John, because the fact that you guys were 35 seconds ahead of me for the for the Norwich game was one of the most difficult experiences I've had in, in a few months. So we might have to see how that goes. But I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, I wonder your... if, if the rest of us, if we could all just sort it out so we're watching the same stream as you. Because what, what was this? You were using your smart television. I'm watching, I was watching Now TV yeah, on my... On my Allegedly smart TV. Yeah. Um, See, my allegedly smart TV is not smart enough to allow Now TV. So I had to use the old Channel 11 pick. So if I want to use Now TV, I have to plug in the laptop into the telly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, let's try and sync it up because it was quite nice. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was was like, you know, being there with friends. I think, yeah, I'm excited. What's your prediction, John? Oh, um,. I think we're just going to edge them out this time. It's going to be 2-1 to the Saints. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you can't see Aubameyang and Lacazette not scoring, can you? They have to score against Saints. Yeah, I think 2-1's a good bet. And who, who are you going for your goal scorers? I think Danny Ings is going to get one again. I think he looked really yeah, sharp. He, he loves a goal, doesn't he? Um, and, may, you know, maybe James Ward-Prowse is going to chip in with one. Unlucky goal, you know, ball cleared off the line against Norwich. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And also, it's at sort of six o'clock, you know, so you finish work and you can just straight away start watching play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the day that I'm going into campus is tomorrow, Wednesday, so that, uh, you know, I'm working from home on Thursday. That's That means quick finish. And the thing is, right, you know, we win that. We're on 40 points and all of a sudden it's, yeah, we're looking up. Yeah. No, probably what we're going to do I, is get, I, get the flip-flops out. <laughs> Take the foot off the gas. Yeah, that's what we do every year. But, you know, apart from, you know, what we got, we got 
some tough games in in Liverpool, obviously, and Man City. But the title could be decided by then. Yeah, that's we got Liverpool. No, have we got have we got to play Liverpool? Uh, no. Well, I made that up. Who have we? So we've got Man. No, we've two of the tough City. games we've got: Man City, Man United, haven't we? That's who we've got. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I think those are our two games that, that are really hard, and also Man United at their place without you know any of the crowd behind them. It's going to be I'm different. Guessing it? It's going to be different. Um, you know. So, so our last, got... our last three games, John: Brighton at home, Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home. Just that middle three of mm. Man City, Everton, and Man United. Yeah, I mean Everton are only one point ahead of us, right? So yeah, we shouldn't Hopefully. be feared of them. I mean, it's an away game as well, and we've got a fancy our chances away from home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, have, have, we haven't won away at Everton for about a million years either, have we? It's no, kind of like on. a real bogey I mean, ground. Yeah, just donkey's years. Donkey's years. We never get anything at Everton, ever. Um, Watford, however, Vicarage Road, I think, is a slightly happier hunting ground. Shane Long got the fastest goal in the history of the universe last time. Yeah. Um, and what did, did we win that game, John, or was that one all? No, that was one all. The season before was a draw as well with that awful handball from Decore. Do you remember that? The night of my yeah, night of my engagement party. Oh yeah, and then uh, Claude Puel, Southampton. I think one four three there, or was it? 3-2? Oh, that was when Nathan Redmond got a couple of couple of yeah. players, didn't he? Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So, you know, that's that's yeah. a pretty good record, isn't it, from the last four seasons? One win and two yeah. draws. I mean, you got to think. I mean, they're going to be fighting for their lives, aren't they? Because they don't get anything at Watford. If they don't get anything at Burnley, sorry, they're going to be fighting for their lives. It'll be it'll be really interesting. All these games are quite interesting, actually. Yeah. And so that that game is Sunday, so it's kind of a bit like we're in the Europa League with a Thursday Sunday fixture yeah. combo. And is that is that on TV on Sunday? They're all on TV, Tom. Yeah, You've oh, just got yeah. to have the right channel. I know, but I know. I need to maybe stream it. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's exciting. The, the, the only other things and... I have in my um. So I've got three more things, Tom. Nathan Teller. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to make. I mean, look, it's all right when he came on. I mean, he got clattered and he didn't make a big deal of it, which I think is always a good good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've got Pierre-Emil Hoiberg and his future. He's going to go, isn't he? Yeah. And then I've got an email from Dan Beggs. You ready What's for Dan Beggs says, great to have you back to listen to you guys. What a win. After a shaky few minutes, we had hold of the game and crucially just didn't stop. Norwich seemed to have trouble lifting themselves out of walking pace. Is there actually an away advantage, in quotation marks, now, as teams will be training on that pitch from time to time in the week and it will feel the same as a match day? What do you reckon, Tom? Well, I think think our away advantage is going to come from... uh, the fact that uh, yeah, I, our style of play works quite well, doesn't it, for the away team? Yeah. We we are better without the ball, weirdly enough. You know, we're more dangerous the less the ball we have. And at home, obviously, teams will want us to come on to them. Um, but whether I, I I don't know. I think this this is the thing, isn't it? It's all out the window. No one really knows what's gonna what's gonna really happen. So, well done to Dan. You've managed to find the 
I don't know answer in this week's podcast. <laughs> um, we we haven't we haven't day. seen enough of the Premier League yet to know whether home advantage or away advantage is still a thing, do we? No, I mean, what, if you look, so what have we had though? Um, obviously, Man City have trounced two teams at home, but that's just pretty standard for the course. Um, been a few, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was the Saints Norwich went the way you kind of expected to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Newcastle won at home, but okay. Chelsea won away. Brighton won at home. Wolves won away. Palace won away. Southampton won away. The games are kind of going the way you'd expect to, to are they? Or is that am I being a bit flippant there? Um, like better teams, the better teams are just winning games. Yeah, let's have a look. So, Man City, Arsenal, yeah, went the way of Arsenal. Villa, Sheffield United was a nil-nil draw, but that was just odd. Spurs, Man United, you could see that being one-one. Saints, Norwich, Bournemouth, Palace. Yeah, Palace is better than Bournemouth. Wolves are better than West Ham. Brighton, are they better than Arsenal? <laughs> uh, there's a question. Mm. Leicester, Watford, draw. Yeah. Everton, Liverpool, draw. Chelsea beat Villa away. Newcastle beat Newcastle beat Sheffield United 3-0 at home. That's an interesting result. That one, but I think, stands out. Like as went a, to, yeah. yeah, they it did went go down to 10, 10 men, didn't they? they? Yeah. yeah. But that, that one is really the only one which I think stands out as an odd result and perhaps the Brighton versus Arsenal. So I, I think, I don't know, we've we've not seen enough yet, I think, Dan, is the answer to that. Um, but who knows? I think it's something that's really fascinating to look out for because you're starting to see, are teams actually improved by the presence of their fans or not? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the crowd at St Mary's has not been the most positive for Saints over, over the years, the last couple of years anyway. So, you know, you could argue that it, it's, you know, maybe on... Thursday, um, it'll be, it'll benefit Saints. Yeah. Okay. Well, or you could say it'll have a negative impact because you know Arsenal would get intimidated by the crowd. Who yeah. bloody knows, John? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but thank you for your question, Dan. Um, he's listening in all the way from Hong Kong. So there we Ooh. go. Um, listeners, if you do want to email in, you can do it saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at saintsfcpodcast on the on Twitter. Um, Tom, I've got nothing else to, to talk about. I, I suppose we didn't give a prediction, did we, for the Watford game, which we ought to. Okay. You, do you want to go first, John? No, you go first. I went first for the Arsenal. No, I, I'll go for one All Saints. One uh, All Saints Watford there. Yeah, hedging my bet. I'd, I'd be content, I think. I mean, if my Arsenal prediction comes true and we beat Arsenal, then to get a draw against Watford, I'd be very pleased with, you know. Yeah. Five, oh, five someone, points yeah, from the... Yeah, sorry, um, seven points from seven the first points. three games would have been amazing. I think five points from yeah. the first three games would be certainly a decent return as well. So, Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, um, well, I guess uh, we'll watch the game on Thursday and we'll report back. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom, I look forward to speaking to you next time and hopefully see you on a, a collective Zoom call shortly. <laughs> you will do, John. Speak soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.